Hello, and welcome to the podcast for 613. This message was given by Danny Strange. If you brought your Bibles, you can open them there to Matthew 18. We are in a series tonight called We Need Grace. And tonight we learn that grace is for the humble. The year was 2000. It was August. And I was in the middle of this worship service in a chapel with three or four hundred people. And yet I had the overwhelming feeling that I needed to be alone. The, the presence of God and the movement of God in my life was so incontainable for me that I, that I felt like I needed to just get out of there and, and spend some time alone with him. And so I, I waded through the sea of the people in that room who were singing, and I walked out into the warm night air, and everything about the next few minutes was perfect. I made my way out to this little redwood bench underneath this bell tower, and I looked up at the skies and the stars were out. And it was one of those nights where it's warm even though it's dark and that's rare here in California. And I heard the muted sound of the worship happening in the room behind me and yet I had chosen to step out of that amazing experience and spend time alone with my father. And, and I remember on that night turning my life over to him and saying, Lord, I, I've followed you for a couple of years now, and, and I just want to let you know that I am all in. I love what you're doing. I, I love seeing the work that you're doing around me, and, and God, I, I don't want it to stop. I want to go home from this place, and I want these things to continue, God. I, I prayed that night that God would get, let me continue in this place where he would do amazing things through me. And I had seen in my life lately some amazing things that God was doing through me, and I didn't know how he was doing it. I didn't know why he was doing it. And I didn't know what I was doing to cause it. And yet I came to God on that night, and I said, God, please just don't make it stop. And I, I want to do great things for your kingdom. And there was in me, honestly, no pride in that prayer. I didn't care if anyone ever saw anything that I did with my whole life, and I probably told God that in the midst of it. Yet I remember saying, God, I just want to see you do mighty things through my life. Use me. I could be nothing in the kingdom of this world, God, but I would love to be great in yours. I'm yours. Use me. As the disciples walked with Jesus, I'm sure they felt that way a number of times especially in the week that's described in Matthew 17 and 18. Jesus is doing some amazing things in their midst. And Peter, James, and John are up on a mountain with Jesus, and he is transfigured before them. He starts shining like the sun, and they realize that the one they have been following, the one who will be king, is no ordinary king. There's something about Jesus that's different than any human being that has ever lived. He's divine. And they walk down off that mountain, and the king who was radiating with his glory encountered a man who was suffering from demons. And anyone in this world who tried to help the man couldn't. And, and yet Jesus, like it was nothing, came and cast the demons out. 
And I'm sure Peter and James and John and the disciples wondered, who is this king? This glorious king. The one who had a word can scatter demons from torment. And yet Jesus was was confusing. Because just as they thought that he was starting to ramp this thing up, he reminds them, I'm going to die. I'm going to be with you for a little while. And then I'm going to be taken. And I'm going to die at the hands of men. And on the third day, I'm going to rise. And who is this king who, who, who would die? And how can he rise again? Some of the disciples are sitting in a house in Capernaum, and there's a knock at the door. And Peter gets up to answer it, and he goes outside, and he has a conversation with a tax collector. The tax collector asks him a pretty fair question. He says, does your teacher pay the temple tax or not? Peter says, yeah, he he pays the temple tax. And yet the look on Peter's face struck Jesus as he walked back into the room. Peter was probably wondering, what kind of king pays taxes? And Jesus looks at Peter and he says, to whom or who pays taxes in the kingdoms of this world? Do do the children of the king pay the taxes or, or everyone else? Peter says, well, everyone else pays taxes. Kids don't have to pay taxes to their own dad. And Jesus says, exactly. We don't pay taxes because we have to. We pay taxes because we don't want to cause anyone to be offended. Who is this king who would come to this world and serve in it even though he owns it? And the disciples throughout that time, I'm sure, were desiring to grow in, in the kingdom of heaven. They're seeing the kingdom breaking forth into the world. They see Jesus do amazing things. And being around Jesus was probably pretty cool at that point. Amazing things are happening. And so over and over, they're asking, them, they're asking Jesus, Jesus, how can we be great in your kingdom? Kind of like that prayer that I prayed that night, maybe a prayer you've prayed before. God, I want to do amazing things in your kingdom. I'm done with the kingdom of the world. I'm in yours. Let me advance in it. Let me be part of it. Jesus, I want to be your right-hand man when you sit on your throne. Dispatch me to do whatever you want. I'm all in. But in a kingdom like Jesus that's kind of confusing, it's hard to know how to advance. And how do you serve a king who has everything? What do you bring to a king who doesn't need anything? How how do you serve a king who serves you all the time? How do you show Jesus that you can do it on your own when you really can't? And he's got the power and you don't have anything to bring to the table. And how do you advance in a kingdom where Jesus is not seeming to desire any kind of authority over anyone? He comes in... Not to be served, but, but to serve others. And yet the question of how to be great in the kingdom of heaven is strong in the minds of the disciples. And so as all this is going on, they decide to come together before Jesus and ask them the question, and ask him the question, in light of all of these things, who then, who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus looks around the crowd, and he sees a little kid. 
and says, come here. And a little kid toddles over, holding his airport drawing. And Jesus gets down and says, I'll tell you the truth. Unless you guys change and, and become like, like this little guy, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. A- anyone who humbles himself like this little child will be great in the kingdom of heaven. Anyone who welcomes a little child like this welcomes me. What would you have thought if you were in that crowd? Jesus calls Louis up. He's all his little airport drawing, stick figures. Jesus says, you got to be like this little guy. I'd be confused. Because I don't know what kind of kingdom Jesus was advocating. But as much as I can think about it, children are generally not the first that you would want to promote in any kingdom. Imagine a corporation run entirely by children. (laughs) That, That would be illegal, wouldn't it? And there's a reason that it'd be illegal to hire children to be your workforce. Because we know that it's not fair to little kids to Bring them into a place where they have to work 40 hours a week, where you're forcing them to produce, where you're putting a burden on their back. That's, that's messed up. You don't do that to little kids. Little kids are supposed to have fun. They're supposed to play. They're not meant to be laboring in the world just yet. Little kids are still supposed to be free. Jesus says, that's, that's the kind of person I want in my kingdom. And one of the practical reasons that I probably wouldn't promote a child to be the vice president of my company if I owned one is little kids are pretty dumb. And my three-year-old, he can't even read. My five-year-old can't even drive a car. And my seven-year-old, I tried to get him to do my taxes, and he couldn't even figure it out. <laughs> little kids don't, don't have what it takes to, mentally to lead anything. And Jesus says, unless you become like one of them, you'll... I'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. And, and whoever humbles himself and becomes like this little children will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Can you imagine a little kid trying to fire someone? Trying to sit down with somebody and saying, listen, you're not producing. You're out of here. Little kids don't have the emotional strength <laughs> to lead in any earthly kingdom. And Jesus says, unless you become like this, you'll never enter the kingdom of, of heaven. And anyone who welcomes a child like this, welcomes me. And anyone who humbles himself and becomes like this little child is great in the kingdom of heaven. I try to imagine what it would be like to have one of, one of my kids standing with Jesus in that moment and me being in the crowd. You're kind of humbling. You're trying to follow Jesus and, and do your own thing. And all of a sudden, Jesus brings up your child and says, be more like him. Or be more like her. You know, in those days, little kids were more of a nuisance than anything. And children were supposed to be neither seen nor heard, right? Or at least seen, not heard. They could hang out with a group, and little children seemed to always be hanging around Jesus, and yet we never know about it because no one talks about kids except for Jesus. Jesus is the one that when the little kids come to him and the disciples say, no, 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 get away from Jesus, he's too important. Jesus says, don't, don't stop the kids from coming to me. The kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. 
Little kids aren't coming to Jesus and saying, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this. That's the adults. We would never know the kids were there except Jesus calls them out and says, come with me. This is just the kind of person I need to run my kingdom. It's picturing if one of my kids were there with Jesus. I have, three, I have four children. I have three kids that I, I feel like could have been the child that Jesus called up because the other one's only like 16 months old or 20 months old or whatever. And I don't think, I know how old my child is, I think. But <laughs> I think the little kid that Jesus brought was probably three or four or five or six, seven, something like that. And so I've got three kids that would fit that criteria. Jackson is seven, Carter is five, and Hudson is three. Imagine Jackson coming before Jesus and standing there. Jackson would be, like, terrified, right? He'd kind of, kind of go between being terrified and being super proud of being there. So, like, he would be kind of looking at the ground and, like, why am I standing in front of all these people? Please let me leave. Please let me leave. Please let me leave. And as I think about it, Jackson would actually be great in the kingdom of heaven. He, he is so passionate and driven towards good things, and sometimes weird things. Loves Legos and the Lord. And so the, the other day, I said, Jackson, you know what you should do? You should, in the morning, since you know how to read now, you should read the Bible and, and come downstairs and let me know what you read and what you prayed about, and I'll give you a marble. Now, marbles are like the currency of the strange household. And so these kids can put a marble in their jar, and when their jar fills up, we go to Chuck E. Cheese. And so I said, if you read your Bible and you pray and you come and tell me what it was, um, you get a marble. And I was like, all right, great. So he'll do anything for a marble. It's like a Klondike bar, but for kids. And so the other day, Jackson comes down, and, and he's like, hey, I read my Bible. I said, what did you read? He said, I, I read Acts chapter 4. I'm like, what happened in Acts chapter 4? He said, Ananias and Sapphira. I'm like, oh, man, I read Ananias and Sapphira? I'm like, he's not even going to get it. I'm like, well, well, what was Ananias and Sapphira about? He said, well, uh, Ananias was a boy. thought he was a boy. I love that. Not a man, a little boy, who owned a property, and, and, he, and he brought... Uh, sold the property and he took half of the money and he brought it to the apostles and, and he said that it was all of the money and he lied to God and so God killed him. <laughs> I'm like, okay, and then what? It's like, then Sapphira came and she lied and God killed her. And I said, okay, well, <laughs> what did you pray about after you read that? <laughs> he said, I... I prayed that, that me and my friends would have the courage to tell the truth, even when it's really, really hard. I thought, man, I have never gotten that out of that passage. I just think I'm so glad that we don't live in those times anymore. <laughs> Jackson would be great in the kingdom of heaven. His passion is fired up about these things, and he gets it. He reads the word as if it's fresh to him. Praise about what he's reading, and then he goes and lives it. Carter is totally different. Carter's five. Carter's the sensitive one. So on any given day, he would either be like really, really scared to go up and be the guy next to Jesus, or he'd be like super excited to be the guy next to Jesus. <laughs> and Carter would be great in the kingdom of heaven because Carter loves everybody. Everybody. The other day he went out into the backyard and he 
he picked all these like leaves and got these little acorns and like sticks and he put them all in these little mason jars and he brought them in and he made two centerpieces for our table. And he said, one of these, this one's for you, mommy, and this one's for you, daddy, because I just love you so much. I wish I had the guts to say that kind of stuff to people. You know, because I have love in my heart for human beings. I really do. I just would rather die than tell them. <laughs> it's just that emotional stuff. It's just like, it's so uncomfortable for me. But he doesn't understand that you're not supposed to tell people how you really feel about them. <laughs> and luckily, the way he really feels about everyone is he cares for every single human being who's ever lived. And, and he tells them. He'd be great in the kingdom of heaven. A little Hud I'm not so sure about. Because Hud is crazy. We call him Crazy Lil Hud. He's three. Every picture we take a little Hud, it looks like he was being electrocuted when the shutter went. Like it's, <laughs> it's like he could be totally normal, just kind of standing there like, say cheese, say cheese, and then one, two. We take the picture. And he's crazy. He's crazy. He's bouncing off the walls. He's making jokes. He's having a, a good old time all the time. He's never serious. And he's so fun to be around. I was thinking if Hudson was in the kingdom of heaven and he was like the secretary of defense in the kingdom of heaven. Doesn't exist probably. I don't think we'd get anything done. But we would have a great time. I was thinking if my three kids kind of became one child and and was like the citizen of the kingdom of heaven. It would be someone who is driven towards the gospel, who loves people, and has a great time with everybody. That's the kind of citizen I want to be in the kingdom of heaven. And see these, these pure aspects of my children. And that's just my three kids, right? Every human being is different. So if I brought you up and said, tell us about your kids, you would see different things, not necessarily those three things that exist in them that you think that would be a great characteristic for me. Well, that would be a great characteristic in the kingdom of heaven. If, if we could all be like that, this world would be an amazing place. And yet sometimes I get really sad. Because I know that the only reason my kids are like this is because they're kids. And Jackson's going to show up at school and he's going to tell people about what he read in the Bible. And at some point someone's going to say that the Bible's lame. And he's going to realize, you know what, I shouldn't talk about this stuff anymore. It's not cool to be passionate about those things. And it's just going to kill it, you know. I'm enjoying being with Carter while, while I can because he's so sweet and he's so nice and he loves everybody. But he's so sensitive. He's going to go into the real world and he's going to start telling people he loves them. And he's going to bring his teacher a flower and it's going to be cute in kindergarten and maybe in first grade. And then kids are going to pick on him. And, and he'll stop showing the emotion. And he'll realize you're not supposed to tell people you care and feel, make them feel special on purpose. Little Hud is going to go to school. And if he's still a crazy little Hud, <laughs> the teacher's going to say, hey, um, your kid has something called ADHD. <laughs> Here's some pills. You can kind of subdue that in him. And, and it's going to kill it. And he'll be able to sit still. And we're going to be able to have a conversation at dinner for the first time ever. And yet spunky, crazy HUD's going to be gone. And this world is so good at taking the beautiful characteristics that God puts in us and that we have as children. 
and squashing them out and subduing them and saying, okay, you're just supposed to be plain and quiet and blah. Don't make waves. Don't be that kind of guy who goes and tells everyone about Jesus. That's just weird, right? You don't need to tell the barista what you read in the Bible this morning. She doesn't want to hear it. Don't go to church and try to make everything spiritual. Sometimes we just want to talk about other stuff, right? And we kill it. You know that friend who always wants to talk to every homeless person that you pass and give everyone money? You're always reining them in. Stop doing that. Why do you feel like you have to be nice to everyone? You talk to every waitress that comes by. Every time we go anywhere, you're in a conversation. We go to a museum and you find the docent and you talk for hours and hours and hours. Can't you just be normal? We have friends that are Christians and they're fun to be around, but we know they're not real Christians, you know, because they have fun. <laughs> Christianity is supposed to be serious. You want to give them some Ritalin and have a Bible study, right? Jesus said, anyone who causes one of these little ones to stumble, it would be better for them to have a boulder tied around their neck and drowned in the bottom of the sea. That's what I'm going to do to anybody who tries to squash the purity and the beauty and the exuberance of my little children. Because the kingdom of God is, is for them. And we, we have, we, as we've grown in our faiths, maybe you've done this too, we get so good at being normal and middle of the road and quiet and studious and boring. And we learn how to balance that there are sometimes that it's appropriate to be excited about God and there's sometimes that you're not supposed to be excited about God. Sometimes you're supposed to be cool about it and other times that you can pray. We spend our lives raining it in. Jesus says, you want to know who's the greatest in my kingdom? It's the little guy with the airport drawing who's so excited to stand before his dad and receive his praise. When I first became a Christian, I started reading my Bible and God started calling me to serve him in ministry. And I didn't really know what that meant. I, I was new to the whole Christianity thing, obviously. And, and I signed up to go to this summer camp uh, for junior high kids. No, it was fifth and sixth grade kids. Even worse. No offense, you're in fifth and sixth grade. It was like the worst week of my life. I, I really wanted to do a good job. I, I really, really wanted to serve these kids. I wanted to lead them to Christ. You know, I, was, I was like young in my faith. I was like that little child, right? And and I just wanted good things to happen. And, and yet my kids, like, hated me. They were terrible. Like, they, they would try to destroy my stuff. They were always running around. Whenever we'd have a Bible study, they'd just throw stuff at me, right? And, and I was new at this, and I just felt like I'm the worst counselor ever, ever. And yet I thought, I'm just going to do this thing. And I, like, got mad at them, and I yelled at them. I tried that. It didn't work. I tried to just be nice. It didn't work. Nothing was working. And so finally I said, you know what, I'm done. Uh, I'm just going to see what happens. Let's just go to chapel, right? Let's go to chapel. Let's go to chapel. And so we go to chapel, and I was mad. I'm like, they better get saved. 
because they need it, right? And I look over, and the kids are, like, drawing, and they're drawing weird stuff, and they're picking their noses and eating it. And I'm like, are you guys even listening to this guy? And after chapel, the guy's like, hey, who, want, who wants to stand up and become a Christian? And these kids are like, out. And they went and played basketball, and I stayed in there. And I just, like, I was done. I, like, broke down. I was, like, crying in this little chair. And everyone's like, what's wrong, man? What's wrong? I'm like, I suck at this. <laughs> I just wanted my kids to do good, and they didn't even listen to me. I don't care about any of this stuff. I don't even know why I'm here. It's like God called me into ministry, I thought, and yet I can't even do it. I'm like, just leave me alone. I need some time by myself. And so I just, got, I just sat there by myself in this chapel on this blue chair. And I just prayed, God, uh, I think you got the wrong guy. Man, I don't know what I'm doing. I love these kids. I thought I loved these kids. I really wanted good for them. And yet I have nothing to bring to the table. I, I thought I knew the Bible enough to teach fifth graders, but they don't want to hear it. And I tried to be their friend, and they didn't want that. I tried to be an authority, they didn't want that. I don't know what they want, but you know what? If you want to do something, you to it. I have no idea what I'm supposed to do here. They're yours. And I got up, and I walked away, and I went to bed. Next night, we come to chapel. And I sit down in my chair. And I look over, and my kids are sleeping. Like, literally asleep. I'm like, what the heck? I'm like, I'm just going to pray. Whatever. I'm done, right? I'm done. So I just pray, God, do what you want to do. This is your thing, not my thing, right? And the guy's giving the invitation, and they're snoring. Like, a guy literally snored out loud in my room. And the pastor says, hey, if you want to become a Christian, raise your hand. And I look over, and the snoring kid like, wakes up, and tears start coming down his face. I'm like, what's wrong, man? <laughs> he's just, I have a bad dream, you know, in chapel. And he's like, I need Jesus. Like, you need Jesus? You were asleep. He's like, I need Jesus, I need Jesus. And they're like, we need Jesus too, right? And they're all crying and hugging. And I'm like, what, what is happening here? And they like, <laughs> they all like get up and they go forward and they're all talking and they're praying, whatever. And the music starts up and, and everyone stands up and starts singing. And the music gets loud and everybody's worshiping and excited. And my kids are Christians all of a sudden. And, and in that moment, I just got overwhelmed with this like, this is awesome. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> I just need to be alone. I need to get out of this room. And so I turned around and I walked and I waded through the crowd of people and out into the warm night sky. And I went across to this little redwood bench under this uh, bell tower and I sat down. And, and it was perfect. The night was beautiful and it was warm and the stars were out. And I could hear the muted sounds of worship in the background. And I remember coming before God and saying, God, I don't know what's happening here. I want more of this. I want more of you doing amazing things, God. I, I want to see you do great things in my life, and, and I don't know what my part in it is. I don't know if I have any role to play. I, tonight, don't know what happened, but I want more of that. And, and if you can keep doing that, that is awesome. And yet, God, I'm going to try my best to figure out how to do that on my own, but and, until then, do you just keep doing it. I, I want to do great things for you. And, and that night, what I didn't understand I think I understand now, is that I thought God had done something amazing and, and it was like an accident and he, he was kind of starting to work, putting the training wheels on until I could figure it out on my own. But what I know now is 
is what I stumbled upon on that night was exactly what Jesus advocates we should do all the time. Which is to come to him like a little kid and say, God, I am powerless. I love people. I love you. I want to see you do great things. And I, I, I don't know what part I have to play in that, but I pray that you will. And I'm at the end of my rope. I can't do anything. I got nothing. I got no mental skills, no emotional skills. I've got nothing to bring to the table. But I love you and I love them. And I pray that you would do something in their life through me. I, I didn't stumble upon some training wheel thing. That, that's, that's the real bike, right? That's how God wants us to live. Jesus says, unless you humble yourself and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. And anyone who becomes like this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And anyone who welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. For the kingdom of God is, is for the little children. Let's pray. Father, tonight we come to you as your children. We think of Peter being confused about paying taxes. And Jesus said, well, we don't have to pay taxes because we're children of the king. Father, we we marvel that we are your children. We're not your slaves. We're not your servants. We're not your citizens. We're your kids. And we marvel at the fact that you would humble yourself and you would walk this earth and you'd become a child too. It's amazing that Jesus could talk about our relationship with the Father and say we, him and us, are both children of God. We thank you for Jesus' sacrifice. And he, as an obedient child, followed you even as you led him to suffer. And in that sense, he's like our older brother who who honorably died for us in our place. Your word tells us that because of Jesus' humility and his sacrifice. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. And someday, every knee will bow and tongue will confess, Jesus is Lord. So though he descended to become our brother, we know that he is truly our God and King. We worship him tonight. We thank you for this opportunity to take communion tonight. And recognize that his body and his blood was what paid the way for us to become your children. And we are not your natural children. We are your adopted kids. Thank you for adopting us into your family. Making us heirs of your kingdom. We pray that we wouldn't try to act like we've got it all together and go to work like we're adults. But we would continue to be kids you would help us to see the the passions you've given us, the empathy you've given us for others, 
the excitement you've given us, the joy you've given us for life. And let us not shy from that, but let us recognize that you call us to be like little kids who don't care who's watching. Let us worship you freely and love people freely and walk with you freely because Jesus paid the price for our freedom and rose from the grave to give us life. Tonight as we eat and as we drink this bread and this cup, let us do it in remembrance of him, the one who died so that we might live. We pray this in his name. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear additional 613 messages or you're interested in finding out more about Neighborhood Church, please visit our website at threecrosses.org. That's the number three, crosses.org.